The following is a presentation of Blackville Church of God. We hope you are blessed by this wonderful sermon brought to you by our lead pastor, Barry Peavy. Our worship times are Sunday morning at 11 a.m. and Sunday evening at 6 p.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30. We hope to see you join us soon here at the Ville for dynamic worship services. We have something available for the whole entire family. So come out and bring your family and enjoy worshiping God with us here at Blackville Church of God. You see, Paul understood eternal things are the only things that matter in a fallen, sinful, self-consumed culture. And church, he is calling us. It's time to be radical Christian disciples. There are three things that to begin this series I want to share with you today about this calling. First of all, God's calling is an honor. I said God's calling is an honor. I can't tell you the times that the world has offered things, but there's nothing as great as the honor of carrying the gospel message. You have been honored to be called. Just as God told Israel, He said, It wasn't because you were greatest why I called you, it was because you were the least. I'm the one that took the least and made something great out of it. Oftentimes we look at attending church and worshiping God and tithing of tithes and giving to missions and reading the Word of God and as labor-intensive things that absolutely are unpleasant to participate in. But I want to tell you that the greatest honor you can have is like Abraham for God to call you friend. Too often we feel like that we are God's gift when we walk in the back doors. And that we've done something so extraordinary that God has no choice but to come down and see us. And we don't realize how honored we are that an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, eternal, unchangeable, holy God has chosen to congregate with us today. God's calling is an honor. Secondly, God's calling is a responsibility. You hear me? Too many times in today's society we treat the Holy Writ as an option. But listen to what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. Preach sound doctrine. Rebuke, reprove, correct in righteousness. In other words, when I read the Ten Commandments, it doesn't read thou shalt if thou want to. It's a thou shalt. We have a responsibility when we surrender to God, when we accept Him as Savior, to make Him not only Savior, but to make Him Lord. 
And too many want to worship him as a lollipop-giving Santa Claus that we can just go sit down every now and then when we need something on his knee and make a request to the great man above. And he's just there to give us what we want, but oh no, I see him as a holy God who is so holy. He is above all that I could ever do. And only by his blood have I been set free. And I need to worship him with my life as well as my lips. God's calling is an honor. God's calling is a responsibility. And God's calling is a privilege. Amen. (laughs) The greatest privilege in my life is to get to tell somebody about Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The greatest privilege we have is to be able to serve this holy God and to surrender our meager lives for his great glory. You see, the apostle Paul, when he wrote these words, wasn't saying, it's cost me everything and it's not worth it. No. He was referring back to what he told the church at Philippi, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Let me tell you something, Blackville. The world may not know who we are, but God does. I said God does. You may feel like that little Sunday school class you teach is insignificant, but God doesn't. You may feel like your little tithe check isn't much, but God sees it. You may feel like your prayers don't go far, but God answers them and empowers the kingdom. You may feel like your service doesn't mean anything, but God says it does. I'm sure that Timothy felt insignificant. I'm sure that Timothy felt like he would never live up to the words of the Apostle Paul. 1924, a young lady named Kitty Suffield penned these words. And as I prepared for this message today, tears will stream down my face as I remembered this challenge. I started out driving as far as I could, preaching to a handful. My first church on my first Sunday, including my wife and child, I had a total of 14. I've preached to large crowds, but I've preached to two or three. Is the harvest field now ripened? There's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. 
Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, and he'll not forget his own. Because little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There is a crown. And we're going to win it if we'll go in Jesus' name. Are you laid aside from service? Amen. Is your body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle in the sacred place of prayer. And when the conflict here is ended and our race on earth is run, he will say, if we are faithful, welcome home, my child, well done, little is much. If God is in it, labor not for wealth or fame. Because there's a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. I was in my 20s, and I was privileged to hear for the first time one of the great servants in the kingdom of God in the day and age words we live in, Dr. Mark Rutland. I heard him preach. Dr. Rutland has served as a pastor. He began as a minister in a Methodist church, got filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, became an associate pastor under Dr. Paul Walker at the huge, effective Mount Perrin Church of God in Atlanta. Went down and pastored a multi-thousand member church in Central Florida. Became president of Southeastern Seminary, a huge seminary of the Assembly of God in Lakeland, Florida. Eventually became president of uh, Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. And now is back traveling, ministering the Word. It was a message that forever changed my life. In his message, he told the story. He was challenging those of us in the audience to give our all for God. And he told the story that I'm about to tell you. He credited this story with changing his life. Years and years ago, there was a missionary who was getting on up in life and who had dedicated his entire life on foreign fields sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He himself had endured some hardship throughout his life. One day, a young man sat down to interview him. 
and talk about him as his life as a missionary. And he asked this question. The man's name was Woody Lahara. And he looked at him and he said, Brother Lahara, I want to ask you a question. Is there anything specific? Is there any miracle that happened? Is there any, anything that you saw with your eyes? Anything that you experienced that you can credit well, that for putting a fire in you that has always kept you all these years faithful to the cause of Christ. And Wood Lahar looked at him and said, there is a story indeed. And he said, years ago, whenever I first started out on the mission field, I was in a third world country, but in a very populated area. And I was in a service one night with a poor excuse of a church building. And as the pastor and I walked in, we observed everybody praising and shouting God. But there was a man up front who was sitting in a wheelchair who had nubs for arms and nubs for legs. His arms went down about halfway his forearms and his legs went down just above where his ankles would be. And he said, this man was so joyfully worshiping God and he was trying to sing, but it was just making strange sounds. It wasn't coming out in audible words, but he was smiling and he was crying and he was lifting up his little nubs worshiping God. And I looked at the pastor and I said, Pastor, what is this man's story? And the pastor looked at me and said, Brother Lahara, if you'll be patient with me, I won't tell you tonight, but I will show you tomorrow. So the mid-morning of the next day, he got Brother Lahara out of the room where he was staying. He said, Brother Lahara, come and walk with me, and I'll tell you the story of the man you saw last night. He says, they begin to walk down the busy city streets. He said, years ago, Christians were heavily persecuted in this area of the country. We couldn't have done what we did last night and worship God without persecution. And that man that you saw last night was once a pastor. Said he was in the middle of preaching to his little congregation during a service. And some Muslim guerrilla soldiers, persecuted Christians, broke into the service and dragged him from behind the pulpit and his congregation outside the building. And they looked at him and said, you denounce this Jesus that you're preaching about or we're going to kill you. And that man you saw last night said, oh no, go ahead and kill me. I'll never denounce Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. So when he said that, one of the soldiers pulled out a machete and chopped off one of his arms. He began bleeding profusely and would have bled to death, but he cried out, Jesus, help me. And when he did before their very eyes, the wound closed and the bleeding stopped. But he had an arm that had a nub for an arm. So that grabbed him again and said, we don't care what's happened. We're telling you you denounce Jesus or we're going to cut off the other arm. 
his response was the same. Oh, no. I'll never denounce Jesus. So they pulled a machete and they cut off the other arm. He began bleeding and cried out, Jesus, have mercy. When he did, the Lord closed up the wound, but the arm now was enough. They threw him to the ground and said, you denounce him or we're going to cut off your legs. He said, I'll never denounce Jesus as my Lord. And so one by one, they pulled out the machete and they chopped off both his legs above the ankle. In terrible pain and agony, bleeding to death, he cried out, oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy. And God closed up the wound. But now, whereas minutes before the man was healthy, he now has no hands and he has no feet. And so they grab him and they pull his hair back and they put the machete to his throat in front of all those people and they said, let me tell you something. You either denounce Jesus or we're going to kill you right now. And the man's response to him was, as long as there's breath in my body and I can speak his name, I will always preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So instead of killing him, they cut out his tongue. By this time, Bully Lahar says he's overcome. He's weeping. They've walked through the streets. And he says, I can't believe that story. It burns my heart. But the pastor of the church has said, Oh, Brother Lahar, that's not the end of the story. He looked down at his watch and he said, It's about the right time of the day now. The streets are busy, and I want to show you something. And he pointed across the street. And sure enough, about that time, in a homemade wheelchair, came that man that had nubs for arms and nubs for legs. And with his little nubs, he was pushing his wheelchair. And he positioned himself at that busy intersection and whenever somebody would get close enough to walk by, he would take his head and he would bump their legs so that they would look down. And then he had in his nubs a track. And he would reach down with his mouth. And he would say, mmm, mmm, until somebody reached down and picked up the gospel track that told about Jesus Christ. And the gospel, the good news that God could save them and set them free from their sins. Will the Blackville Church of God do like most of the Christian world? Will we be satisfied to come here and try to get all we can get from God? Or will we realize that the very breath we breathe is a gift from God and every day is an opportunity to tell anyone and everyone about the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what Paul did. To do what Paul commands us to do. And to do what the world doesn't recognize the name 
of that little armless, legless pastor. But Jesus does. The calling is from God. The response is up to you.